0: Hey friends, I am so excited to share this episode with you today. If you don't follow our guest Kirsten on Instagram, she's at Wellness. that's T-O-T-U-S wellness, and her posts are so good. She is completely and very expressly passionate about breaking you free from diet culture in the name of the Lord, and it is so contagious. So please go and follow her. And as you listen to this episode, it will really help you get to know her um, as she shares her story. So before we get into this episode today, I wanted to share some exciting news with you because if you are a regular listener, it feels like you're family and we want to let you know what's going on. And the podcast is one of the best ways to do that. So I know I shared about Aubrey stepping back from Joyful Health in our last episode, but friends, we are not done. And we have just brought on board Amanda Reynolds. She is a joyful health coach. You've heard her on the podcast before. She does our group coaching calls with our group course. Um, she is now our operations gal. She is going to help us out with all the spreadsheets because she is incredibly gifted in that area where I am not. So thank you, Jesus, that he gave different gifts to each one of the members of the body of Christ that we can love, and serve one another as we advance the kingdom together. So go ahead and welcome Amanda with me. And she is also a soon-to-be intuitive eating certified counselor. Um, So while we won't open up our group course again until the fall, we are offering one-on-one support on the eating side with our dietitian Megan at Grace Rooted Nutrition. And I also have two more spots for one-on-one joyful movement training. And those are 30 minute sessions each with me. So if you need help in those areas before the course, we are going to offer one-on-ones all year long, just to make sure you get the support that you need. You can email us at support at joyfulhealth.co. If you're interested in working with a dietitian and working with a joyful movement trainer, and we will get you plugged in. Okay, and finally, we are about to head into summer. Um, Summertime is great because we get a break from some of our usual activities and curriculum. Um, And if you're looking for some great summer learning ideas to do on your own, we do have two courses that can be done in your own time or in a group of your own. The first one is our Body Blessings mini course. This will help you get reconnected to your body and really get to understand how God sees you. So in that course, we have 10 videos that go along with our Body Blessings Journal, which you can get on Amazon. And those videos also have transcripts, so you can have that screen-free learning time. We have printable resources like hunger and fullness fridge charts, um, biblical feel wheels. I like to put those up in the kitchen just to be able to connect our emotions with how we're feeling and what we need. Um, The other resource that we recommend if you struggle with anxiety and information overload when it comes to your health is our Aligned course. So this video series accompanies uh, my seven-week devotional guide called Aligned, Returning to God's Perfect Peace in an Anxious World. And so this is a great option to do on your own, or really I recommend doing it with a group of faith-centered friends because things are so much more enjoyable and doable when we do it with each other. All right, you can find all those resources at joyfulhealth.co. Okay, let us know if you have any questions about any of the above. And I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, friends, welcome to the Joyful Health Show. I'm Aubrey, registered dietitian. And I'm Casey, personal trainer. And together, we're here to help you discover joyful health by grace. Hey, everyone, welcome to the Joyful Health Show. Um, and this season, we are getting aligned. We are returning to God's perfect peace in an anxious world and various topics relating to our health. Today, we get to focus on when you feel like you're in a health funk, you just feel stuck or just kind of off-center, how to align yourself with God's story, because oftentimes when we are in this kind of in-between place, um, we're seeing the story that we believe. So this episode will help redeem your outlook on life and impact your health in a positive way by aligning with where we are in His story. So this topic in particular comes out of a request from a podcast listener who asked for um, help on when they are struggling with the battlefield of their own mind when it comes to being at war with food and their bodies. So if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, you can go to joyfulhealth.co slash podcast, fill out the form at the bottom with your suggestions, and we'd love to hear from you. Okay. So without any further ado today, we get to hear from Kirsten Schmidt, who is a certified health coach with a background in kinesiology and nutrition. So this is kind of what she does. So we are so excited to have you on the show. Kirsten, welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. Okay. so friends, um, a little bit more about Kirsten. She is a certified health coach for behavior change and intuitive eating. She has a degree in kinesiology and in human nutrition. She founded Integro to help Christian women find identity in Christ, to walk confidently in their body, health, and food choices without dieting. She specializes in creating behavior change by getting to the root of the beliefs and behaviors that are keeping women stuck in dysfunction cycles around health and body image. Okay, so I am really looking forward to hearing a little bit more about your story um, because really that is where, that's where we start is from our story and, and how God is, is weaving um, His glory into each part of our lives. So let's hear a little bit about um, your story. How did you get to the place where you are today um, where maybe you got free from something in particular and, and now you get to help women and how did you see God in the midst of that?
1: Yeah. So my story definitely started when I was young because that's when I really started struggling with body image. And I remember when I was maybe 10 or 11, I remember I would always look down at my stomach and I would make my fingers into pretend little scissors and I would pretend to cut off fat on my body because I would just tell myself that if I could lose just this amount of fat, then I would be happy. And this belief shaped the next decade of my life. So when I was in middle school, I started doing competitive sports. And so my body changed and I started receiving compliments from adults, which then just reaffirmed this belief that then became part of my identity, that if I was gonna be loved, if I was gonna receive praise, then I needed to be in a smaller body. So this identity then led me to an eating disorder in high school. It started off with anorexia and praise God, it was short-lived in the fact that I never got to the point where it was really life-threatening. But the reason I pulled myself out of anorexia was because when I was in high school, being that thin wasn't quote-unquote in because body image standards are constantly changing. So when I was in high school, it was more like, you know, the Kim Kardashian, like supermodel type body that was quote-unquote in. And my body didn't match that and because I was so concerned with how people perceived my body and so concerned about receiving value through my body. I was like, oh, well, this isn't how I want my body to look. I want my body to look more like these kind of people. And so that actually led me to orthorexia because I, I was really obsessed with having the quote unquote fit looking body that was really, you know, toned and muscular and this and that. and. I became really obsessed with having perfect health and my a body, my body appearing like I had the quote unquote perfect health by our worldly standards. And so I that that belief also got reaffirmed because when I was struggling with orthorexia, I also received a lot of praise. People would tell me things like, "Oh, you you're so good with your diet. You're so good with how often you work out. I wish I could eat like you. I wish I could do this like you." And so I got reaffirmed. But in the meantime, my mental health was getting worse. worse, my actual physical health was getting worse, despite the fact that I was doing, you know, everything right. And my spiritual health was getting worse. And so I felt like I didn't really stop because I'm like, well, I'm getting the, the, the praise that I want to get. And so I kept going down this path, and I kept getting more and more restrictive. And as my health continued to get worse, I told myself that it must just be the food. Like, I'm doing everything right, so it must just be the food I'm eating. And so I got to the point where I was literally just eating meat, quinoa, cruciferous veggies, and sweet potatoes, and that was it. Like That was my entire diet, and that eventually led me to binge eating because it was so incredibly restrictive. And once I started binging, I felt like I was losing my sense of worth, my sense of identity, because every time I would binge, I felt like, I'm not living up to the standard that I had given to myself to look a certain way and to eat a certain way. And every time I would binge, it would send me into that typical shame and restrict cycle. I mean, I would binge over the weekend, Monday would hit, and almost always I would start Monday off with some kind of like bone broth fast where I would just drink bone broth all day. Like that was my way of trying to make up for the weekend of binging. And I got to this point where I really just hit this all time low because my health continued to get worse. I had horrible gut and hormonal issues, Uh, mental, spiritual health were getting worse. And in that low place was where God started to reveal idols in my life to me. And he started with just revealing to me that my body was an idol at that point. And so I first started working on healing my relationship with Christ and with God and finding identity in him. And at the time, I was also getting my degree in nutrition and kinesiology, which actually for a while made my eating disorder worse because now I had all this information around how to track macros, how to create the perfect workout program. So it actually made it worse for a while because I was looking through it, looking at that through a lens of becoming, you know, perfect. And he led me to wanting to become a health coach. And I really believe he led me to the program that I ended up going through because the program I went through focused less on like, what you're supposed to, you know, be eating and more on behavior change. So like this idea that our identity and the story we tell ourselves subconsciously is actually what causes us to self-sabotage, which is essentially when you know what to do, you know what your goals are. You just can't get yourself maybe to follow through. And it might be because like for me, my goals were just not good goals. They weren't aligned with God's purpose for me and so that was causing me to self-sabotage. So there's we'll talk more about it, but there's a lot of different ways you can self-sabotage. And I mean, you can have the absolute best health advice in the world. You can have even the best intuitive eating advice in the world, but if you can't put it into action, then what good is it? So God met me in that place in that all-time low and just kind of started through his perfect timing revealing things to me, um certain education and I also started seeking help as well, just kind of was laid out well. I still struggled in healing myself, but it, um, it was all laid out in a, in a nice way for me to get to where I am today.
0: Yeah, that's really, that's so important. I love um, how the Lord kind of stripped away the idols of body and, and even behaviors at first because you found value in having these certain behaviors that um, the world praised. <laughs> um, and then starting to see kind of the deeper, the deeper roots of that. And, um, and sometimes we, we don't really have words for some of those, like, uh, those like miss that feeling of misalignment of you, you know, you mentioned how your health was actually suffering. Your overall health was suffering for your healthy behaviors that you were, um, that you're engaging in. And so, so I feel like, and, and why I wanted to use this word of like, when we feel like we're in a health funk, um, we know that something is not right. We know that something is off center. We know that God has better for us. <laughs> we, we may know it in our mind, but um, we don't know it with our heart and with our bodies. And so things are just, are not aligned. Um, so you talked a little bit about that self-sabotage And what can you say about like, how, what, what was the story that you were believing? And then, um, what was maybe the story that God had for you and how did he start aligning that for you?
1: Yeah. The story that, that I believed ultimately was that I had to find worth in this world and that it was up to me and that I was broken And in order to fix myself, I had to do it myself. And I had to seek control. Um, I had to seek the world. And God really revealed to me that it's, it's not about what I can do. It's about what He can do. And that once I actually surrender all of these desires that didn't align with His desires, that He can show me the love, like the unconditional love that I had really been searching for, the showing me like where my worth lies, where my identity lies. I was trying to find all those things in the world. And it, it showed up in, in my, what I would say, like my safety or my coping mechanisms, which was going to body control, going to food control. Usually we cope by finding control. And so for listeners of this podcast, the way that we typically all cope is by finding that control in body or in food. And so we create a story about body and about food and about health to in an attempt to find control, to find safety, to find belonging, to find worth, to find love. And God's over here kind of saying like, that's what I provide and you're not gonna find it in this world. Really, really self-sabotage at its root is, is when we avoid healing or addressing like our innermost needs As a way to try and protect ourselves, like it it often does start from some kind of a wound, and that wound might have made you feel some kind of fear, maybe shame, maybe abandonment. And a lot of times in order to cope with that, we create some kind of an inner vow or a story about ourselves in relation to that experience that then will shape our identity in order to gain a sense of control. And that sense of control is what makes us feel safe for a little bit. So that's kind of why we keep going back to it. So like if you were maybe bullied as a kid, that could have caused you to feel shame. So then you might have created this inner vow that in order to receive love, and to protect myself from shame, I must prove my worth. So then you might create an identity around proving your worth, which also is actually where we typically begin to form idols. So if you were bullied because of your size, you might have created an identity around wanting to be thin in order to feel a sense of worth, love, and belonging. And where self-sabotage specifically shows up and how you know how you said maybe there's you know there's something off but you can't quite put your finger on it and maybe you find yourself going back to old patterns and you're not really sure why like you're trying to come in alignment with God, but you're trying to trust him, but it's like something's off. How that shows up is, let's say 20 years later, you're trying to work through and challenge those old beliefs around body image that you had growing up. And maybe you had this really good talk with a coach or a therapist or a dietitian. You had this big revelation with the Lord. You feel renewed in spirit. Things are going great. And then it's like out of nowhere, you start doubting everything, you wake up, you look in the mirror, you hate what you see, you start falling back into old thought patterns. And it's like, before you know it, you feel you feel like you're at square one. And it's like, what just happened? Something is still off here because I was doing so good. And now all of a sudden, I feel like I've gone three steps backwards. And there's this little thing that we all have, I call it our critter brain. But it's really just part of your amygdala. And it's it's the part of your brain that is in charge of keeping you safe. So it it doesn't really rationalize or reason, but its whole job is to just keep you alive and keep you safe. And physiologically, self-sabotage is a protective mechanism. And our critter brain is where all of these underlying beliefs are held. And these underlying beliefs that we create our story, not God's story in, are typically based on our interpretation of some kind of past experience that we have. So our creator brain is really responsible for a lot of our behaviors and our emotions It's responsible for part of our fight or flight. And it is constantly monitoring for threats since its job is to keep you alive. And how it does this is by attempting to predict future outcomes. So it can't actually predict the future, nobody actually can. Um, but it can not even rationally predict the future, like, Our our conscious thinking brains can kind of draw conclusions and draw rational conclusions, maybe about what the future might lead. But our critter brain can't do that because it's not a rational part of our brain. What it does is it bases our future off of our past, off of our interpretation of past experiences. And that is where we create our story. That is where we create our limiting beliefs. Because our interpretation, of an experience is typically emotionally driven. And so the conclusions that maybe you draw from that subconsciously, they're not typically an accurate representation of, of reality. And they create like a subjective experience that we then give significance to. So this is how our, our story, not God's story, it's like how our story about the world or about ourself is formed is really from a place of, safety. Um, but it's, it's more of a fight or flight kind of response and less of a calm, assuring and trustful and faithful response.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, came across Brene Brown's Um, some of her writing and one of the quote that stuck with me was that we don't see things as they are, but we see things as we are. And so it's always like, I see reality through the lens of how I've interpreted my experience. And so it's it's like, ah, this is so important for me to be able to see the world through the lens of redemption. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but God has revealed these certain things and he has revealed that the end will be good and that we will dwell with him. But when I'm in that fight or flight response, when I am trying to keep myself safe and and I relate with a lot of what you're saying, because I discovered not too long ago about highly sensitive people and how for a highly sensitive person, your amygdala <laughs> is a overactive. Um, and I'm one of those people. So um, it, made a lot of sense for me and also made me feel like, oh, this is also a physiological, um, response that other people also experience. Okay. So how do I take the next step? <laughs> so if someone is experiencing some of these, like feeling off center and like those coping mechanisms you mentioned about you starting to really, um, need to have control around food and body. And, and for me, I I noticed that and I got fed up with it when I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> it was like, I, I can't I, like, this is exhausting. I've tried and tried again. Um, it's taking up way too much energy and I, I know that I can't do it. Um, and then I feel like it's like, When you talked about like when you started when you start doubting everything, you have that moment. Um, To me, it sounds like a moment of deconstruction of when you realize that um, the pillars of reality that you've set up in your life start. (laughs) When you realize that they um, are not strong, that there may be hollow inside, and so things start to crumble. Um, And then the like monitoring for threats um, of of being able to see that maybe you're starting to well, and I noticed this too, and I even did this this, like, this morning with my husband. And I was like, I, I feel like when you go out of town, and this is what I said in my head. I was like, I feel like when you go out of town next, I'm not going to be able to handle um, everything in, in our house and our family because I had a hard day today. And so I need, so then I was trying to control this like experience with him. And so I was predicting the future and trying to put up those safeguards, Um And so, so yeah, can you maybe like sum up some of those, like, how do these things show up coping mechanisms, like that moment of deconstruction, um, feeling overwhelmed? Is there anything I missed or anything that you want to add to that list?
1: Yeah. I mean that, what you said kind of encapsulates a lot of that. Um, and why it's so hard is because we are kind of in a state of fight or flight, um, because whatever whatever conclusions your brain is jumping to, again, those conclusions also are probably based on some kind of past experience where you didn't feel safe, where you experienced maybe a wound. And so your brain is kind of going worst case scenario in alignment with the things that you have experienced. And what's so difficult about this is, let's say you experienced a wound of rejection that led you to... The belief that your identity um, is wrapped around again, proving your worth, because if I can prove to people that I can't be rejected, then they won't reject me. Anything that challenges that belief that I'm rejected, so I have to prove to people that I'm worthy so that, I don't, so that I'm not rejected, anything that goes against that will actually be seen as a threat from your critter brain. Because anything that's new, even if like consciously you know, okay, this isn't actually dangerous and actually this might be helpful for me. If it's new, that means it's unknown, which means it's a threat to your critter brain because this part of your brain cannot rationalize. So your critter brain will do everything in its power to make you go back to what's familiar, make you go back to familiar thought processes, make you go back to familiar habits that you're trying to maybe break through. And that is what's so tricky about self sabotage is because it's, it's not purposeful, like you're not purposefully trying to sabotage yourself. And I see that it it usually happens like once motivation wears off, because for a certain amount of time, you might start something new, and you might have a certain amount of motivation, you feel good about it. And at this point, you're, logical thinking brain or prefrontal cortex that isn't afraid of change that can rationalize is kind of overpowering the critter brain while there's still lots and lots of motivation. But motivation is fleeting. Motivation will eventually wear off. That's just a normal part of motivation. That's why you can't really rely on it fully. Um, Once that starts to kind of wear off a little bit, your critter brain just immediately jumps in and starts taking over. You make about 35,000 decisions a day, and the majority of those decisions have actually already been made by your critter brain. And it doesn't, when I tell people this, people freak out because they're like, what? Does that mean I I don't have, does that mean I don't have any control over my life? And it's like, no, you do. But what it means is that you have to rewire the parts of your critter brain by healing those old wounds, by meeting those unmet needs, by going to God and actually allowing Him to show you what needs are going unmet and where you need to place your identity and how your wounds actually might be kind of keeping you from seeking God's love. And that is how we can prevent ourselves from constantly wanting to step back into safety because your critter brain would rather choose a very comfortable and familiar solution then change for the better. It's why you consciously know, oh, I, I really want to do intuitive eating and and it's really great and I'm trying to heal my body image, but then it's like there's this whole other side of you that is seeding doubt, that is trying to pull you back, that is trying to say, no, nope, this is this isn't good. This is unfamiliar territory. Um, it's why you might know you should trust your body, but you feel like you can't. It's why you know you should fully trust God, but at times you feel like you really don't. It's why Maybe if you've tried to start a mindful eating practice, but you keep coming up with all these excuses as to why you're too busy, or today's not a good day, and you're never are able to implement it, it's not maybe because you're actually too busy, I mean, maybe you are, there's lots of really busy people out there, but more than likely, it's that your critter brain has already decided that mindful eating has changed, or that you can't trust people, which <clears throat> means that it's a threat. And so now you're just coming up with reasons to rationalize that. And so you come up with, I say excuses and I say that in a very gentle way, but that's kind of what it is, is all these reasons why you aren't going to follow through maybe with what you've said you would follow through with. And it's not a conscious activity, so I'm not trying to say put blame on things or say that this, you know, these excuses are bad and it's all your fault. Like it's very much a subconscious safety response that you're just moving through.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, moving into some of the more practical things of, okay, we can't, there's a lot of things we can't control. And, you know, it is God's grace that we don't have to make, we don't have to consciously make those 35,000 decisions. (laughs) Um, so how can we allow God to rewire our brains? How can we start going to Him to meet some of those unmet needs? What's the first step that someone can take? Or maybe what's something that you, um, like the method that you kind of take your clients through of how to go about doing that?
1: Yeah. A big part of this is to recognize when you might be self-sabotaging, but also to recognize that this isn't just a battle that you have to overcome that like at its roots, it's also a spiritual battle because Mm -hmm. a lot of times when maybe we get triggered emotionally or maybe you're working through body image and you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror and all of a sudden like these old body image thoughts come up. That is when the enemy is going to come in and start loading all of these other lies to try to also get you to feel shame so that you don't want to seek the Lord, that he, that you actually want to seek the world. Because shame, like if you go all the way back to Genesis and when the fall happened, that's when sh- shame came into the world and it actually caused Adam and Eve to want to hide from God. And so the enemy knows that if he, if, if when you're already kind of feeling low, if he can come in and just, pile on the shame and the lies that it's more likely that you're going to want to step step back into safety and move back to seeking the world because there's a part of you that thinks okay it's on me like i have to fix this this is my battle and before i can even go to god i have to fix myself because he's he's not going to want to help me until i can fix myself and so part of it is is there is like a physiological component there a psychological component there, but a big part of that is that there is, there is a big spiritual battle. And so I see three things that often happen. Um, and I would say the two, before I jump into that, the two biggest solutions that you have to start working on is number one is the continual practice of always going back to the Lord and his truth, because all of these thoughts that are coming up that will eventually cause you to self-sabotage, they are lies, like at their root, they are lies. And so you have to be armored with the truth of God. So if you're struggling with, like at its core, if there's a a wound of abandonment, you have to lean on the fact that the Lord says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Um, You have to continually go back to scripture and his word over and over and over again and I think the problem is a lot of people kind of give up too soon like they think that oh I should be able to just in a couple weeks be over this already and that's just not how it works because the enemy will not stop feeding you those lies so you have to continually go back to the to the Lord but the other thing you have to be willing to do is seek help I can't tell you I don't think anybody on this earth can uncover their self-sabotage patterns from deep-seated wounds on their own unless like the Lord is what is um, revealing all these things to them. And He has the power to do that, but a lot of times He works through others. You have to have a conversation. I have so many clients where um, there are wounds that they really believed were no longer affecting them, but it was like the wound that was keeping them stuck in old thought patterns. A lot of times what I see people doing is we we try to find a solution in the world. It's kind of like digging a hole to try and find the sun. So you keep digging and you dig and you dig and you dig until you, you can't see the sun in the, anymore. And you kind of just realize now that you can't see the sun. Oh, shoot, I've gotten myself into a predicament. So this is how I was with dieting. It was like I just kept digging and digging and digging into diet culture until I realized I had nowhere else to turn. And when you get to this point, I see people self sabotage in three big ways. And these are the things that you really have to look out for in yourself. So the first way is maybe you've dug this hole, you're trying to figure out how to get out. And part of you has maybe resigned to hopelessness to an extent, like you don't really believe I can get out of this hole. And so you just go back to what's familiar, which is digging. So you dig, right, you dig left, you dig east, you dig south, you dig all these different directions, but up, because all all you know is digging. So you just keep going back to that familiar thing. But none of this is getting you closer to the sun, like none of this is actually getting you out of the hole. And consciously, like in terms of dieting, you might know, okay, dieting doesn't work. But the reason maybe you find yourself wanting to keep going back to it is because part of you might not believe that healing is truly possible. Like you've already kind of resigned to failure. And so you, you self-sabotage almost before you even start by just resigning to this hopelessness, which again is like a, a lie from the enemy. And this is really what shame does to us. Like Shame tells you, I'm just someone who can't take care of my body. I'm just someone who binge eats and it's, that's just the way it is. So So you might binge and your coping mechanism might be um, that might lead to self-sabotage might be that you go to shame because maybe you think, well, I've binged on all this food, so I deserve the shame. And that's kind of how you cope. But that's actually self-sabotage because we know that shame is going to pull us from God and lead us to the world. And so then that's what you do. Then you go back to diet culture to try and cope with the shame. So it's like this It's like the cycle of just seeking the same thing over and over and over again. And we sabotage ourselves before we even start, like before we even take our first step into the right direction, because we've resigned to this hopelessness and we keep going back to the same things. The second way I really see people self-sabotage is, okay, so maybe you're in this hole and you recognize, okay, I can't get myself out of this hole then you just pray that God kind of levitates you out. Like, I don't really want to do any of the work. God, just like lift me out of here and then we'll just carry on with our happy lives. And God totally has the power to do that. And if he wills it, like it will happen. But 99% of the time, he's going to want you to go through the process of climbing out with his help. And so you might be praying. And what I see is a lot of times God will send someone with a ladder. And you look at that ladder and you're like, no, that is way too tall. That's way too scary. I might fall like no thanks person with the ladder, but I'm just going to wait here for God. And so you keep praying, which don't get me wrong. We need prayer. It's really important. But a lot of times our expectations of how our prayers or how we want our prayers to be answered don't match up with how God is actually answering our prayers. So sometimes we say no, we sabotage by saying no to God's way of trying to answer our prayers, which is like another big way I see people self-sabotage is God's kind of trying, or He is trying to answer your prayers, but you're like, well, that's not how I want my answers, my prayers to be answered. That way seems too hard. So I'm just gonna sit here and and continue to wait, which can get confusing as Christians because we are called to wait on the Lord. Um, And so part of that is discernment, but you have to recognize, am I waiting on the Lord because I'm afraid? If that, if you're afraid and that's why you're waiting, then it's probably not of God. God's not keeping you waiting out of fear. Usually when we wait, if it's of God that we're, we actually don't want to wait, but we're feeling called to wait. So that's how you can kind of discern, am I waiting out of fear? And that's not actually what God wants me to do. Or am I waiting because God actually does want me to wait. So you want to make sure that, um, discern are my prayers being answered just in the way that I maybe don't want them to be answered. And then the third way is, is one of the most common ways is when you finally decide to climb the ladder. Like you've literally hit rock bottom, you can't dig anymore, there's quite literally nowhere else to go. And so you start climbing. But as you start climbing, your hands are going to get sweaty, your legs are going to get weak. You haven't seen the sun in so long that it actually burns your eyes, it burns your skin. And this is when the enemy is gonna come in and he's gonna start whispering. You know, that hole really wasn't so bad. Like this this is just too hard. Let's just go back down. You're never gonna make it anyway. The hole was actually pretty comfortable. You don't have what it takes anyway. You're gonna fail, you're gonna fall. You could hurt yourself, like just give up now. And this is where people self-sabotage again because to be honest, <sighs> None of us actually have what it takes. Like we don't actually have what it takes to climb up this ladder, but God does. And God will give you everything you need to persevere. When the sun is so bright you can't see, he's gonna guide your step. When the enemy is feeding you lies, he's gonna give you the truth. When the enemy is like trying to weigh you down, God will lift you up. He's not gonna levitate you out more than likely, but he's going to give you what you need to persevere. And eventually you will climb out of that hole. So when those lies are being fed to you, you have to go back to, if I persevere, if I keep going, despite all these hard things that are happening, God is going to eventually lead me out of this hole and I will get to the top. And so you have to be open to leaning on the Lord, trusting in the Lord and His strength to get you out, but also noticing when god might be working through others like this podcast that you guys are doing how he might be working through others to also help lead you out like we we are definitely called to serve but if we were all called to serve but never to receive service then there would be no one to serve so there when it comes to serving there is a mutual self-giving so i know a lot of christians especially women struggle with receiving the gift of service, but like that's part of it. So you have to be open to receiving God answering your prayers through others as well and leaning on others, but knowing at at your core that God is the one that's going to give you the strength to climb out. Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I love that. And also I was thinking of like, okay, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Um, It is very humbling to receive help because you have to acknowledge that you need help. <laughs> so, um, it is, you know, sometime and I've, the Lord has had to humble me in so many different aspects of saying, you can't do it all. I made you to not be able to do it all. You're limited so that you can be in relationship with me and with others. That's why I asked you to love me and to love others. So, um, so, you know, I, I have learned that in my own ways too. So just to recap, um, a little bit from this episode is, when you kind of notice that you're in a funk, you are not where you want to be. Um, you're not doing <laughs> what it is that you know that you want to do. Is to start becoming aware of that, um, and that can be through coping mechanisms. It can be when your motivation wears off. It can be when you're feeling overwhelmed. Um, and then to be able to to be able to start with like that whole that like whole metaphor um, of be able to to seek the Lord and to seek help. So Kirsten, is there anything else that you would like to leave the listeners with when it comes to, um, them, they're feeling the pull of that sun, of that light of of enlightenment, of truth. They know that that's what they crave because that has been planted in their heart. So, um, is there anything that you can leave that listener with before we go? Yeah, um.
1: I probably two things that maybe might be a little bit more practical, because if you're in a place of like, okay, I know I need help but like, like, how do I even know if I'm self sabotaging? Or how do, how do I recognize this? Um, ask yourself some questions. Like if, if you feel like you're constantly more aware of what you don't want than what you do want, like you're constantly thinking of all the things you don't want, rather than what you do want from your life, that could be a sign that you're self-sabotaging You're operating from this place of fear. If you are spending more time trying to impress people than trying to align yourself with God, that's a sign that you're self-sabotaging. If you want to seem okay, if you want to attempt to manage everybody's expectations of you, but inside you feel like you're crumbling, that's a sign of self-sabotage. If you feel like you'd rather be approved of then be happy, or you feel like those are the same thing, like to be approved of is to be happy. Again, that's all of these are signs of self-sabotage. So ask yourself questions, like deep questions about what it is that you want. Are you afraid of your emotions? Are you afraid of failing? Are you, are you treating your coping mechanisms as the problem? Like, are you saying my cravings are the problem rather than trying to get underneath? Why might it be that I am struggling with binge eating? Um, if you're constantly just looking for the magic bullet, all of these things are ways in which we self-sabotage on a subconscious level because we' we're, we're looking at things in, from the wrong perspective, or we're headed in the wrong direction. And if if there's like one thing that you can just start doing on your own to start uncovering this is something I learned fairly recently that I have been doing and I've been telling my clients to do and it's called a Rhema challenge. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of heard about it but Rhema essentially means spoken word and so what you want to do is you're going to write down one lie that you believe about yourself that you know is keeping you stuck in old patterns and you know it's a lie but you feel like you can't overcome it. Then you're going to go to scripture and you're going to find one truth to rebuke that lie? Like where in scripture does it say basically the exact opposite of this lie that you feel? And you're going to pick a piece of scripture. If you wanted to pick a couple, you can, but probably just stick with like one to two. And every single day for at least a week, you say that piece of scripture multiple times a day out loud to other people. It's so important to have these tools in your back pocket, because when these lies come up, We have to, one of the ways we have to fight these lies is with the truth through scripture that God has given us. That's like, that is exactly what Jesus did when the enemy was tempting him in the desert when he was fasting for 40 days. He's like, oh, if you're really the son of God, you know, turn this, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus kept going back to the word of God to um, get Satan to stop basically. And Satan eventually did because Jesus is God and he's amazing. Um, but something interesting about that is I think what's really hard is you also have to recognize am like, am, are my motives from a place of trying to find worth? Because when Jesus, one of the reasons Jesus was able to overcome Satan, aside from the fact that he was perfect, um, is that he at his core knew who he was. Like He knew what his identity was. And so when Satan was telling him, Hey, if this is really who you are, then prove it. Jesus knew he didn't need to because he knew who he was. So if you're, if you're a mom and your entire identity is wrapped up in being a mother, and that's where you get all your worth from, when you go out into the world and you see all these other moms being moms, you're going to think, Oh, I need to be like her. Oh, I need to be like her to try and prove my motherhood, to prove that I'm a good mom. But if your identity is wrapped up in Christ as a whole, and it doesn't mean you're not a mom, like you're still a mom, but if that's where your, your identity comes from and that's where your worth comes from, then you don't feel the need to prove that you're a good mom. You don't feel the need to prove that you're a good sister or a good coworker or whatever it might be. Because you know that you're working through Christ and that that is what makes you good. Um, and that that one thing, that truth, is what leads us away from self-sabotage. Because it's the trying to prove ourself that usually leads us into self-sabotage and seeking the world.
0: Yes. Amen to that. Um, be in the Word. Um, I wish we could be able to talk about kind of all of these promises that can combat those truths, um, like resist the devil and he will flee from you, just like he did with the Lord. It's the same promises that were given to Jesus that we are given as well in Scripture, and we are given His Spirit. And so um, that is really exciting and hopeful news. Um, Can you tell us where we can find you, connect with you, um, and then would you do the honor of praying for our listeners? Yeah, of
1: course. So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Instagram, it's totus underscore wellness, T-O-T-U-S. And then Facebook is my name, Kirsten Schmidt. Um, You can find me there. I have a a Facebook group that you can join. Um, And then I also have some free resources. I just launched actually a body image mini course called Imago Day. And I think that'll be linked down in the description. So there's lots of ways you can find me. My website is totuswellness.com dot um, and yeah, and then i I love to lead uh, in prayer. And I wanted to actually pray a prayer of surrender because that is that surrender is the thing that, for me, changed the course of action. It didn't necessarily mean that things were easy and smooth sailing from there, but it it was kind of like my tipping point. And so I have this surrender prayer. It's not mine, but I pray it often. Um, that I actually just want to share with everybody as our our prayer to close us out. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, okay. Dear Lord, I surrender to you my whole self, my heart, my mind, my memory, my imagination, my will, my emotions, my passions, my wounds, my body, my desire for human approval, my weaknesses, my health and my sins. As I have emptied myself and surrendered everything to you, I ask you now, Father, to fill me with your Holy Spirit and all the gifts and fruits of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are the source of love, hope, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, tenderness, faithfulness, and humility. Purify my desires. Help me to be open. Help me to be perfectly receptive as a pure child. Help me to believe in your love for me. Help me to hope in your love. Help me to receive all the grace and virtues necessary for me to become the person you created me to be. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, God, Almighty Father. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. It's beautiful. Um, Thank you. All right, friends. Until next time, may you rest in His grace and follow the joy. Hey, uh, thanks so much for listening. A very special thank you to all our podcast guests, along with Dwayne Golbeck for podcast editing and Maddox Schuler for writing and recording our podcast music.